Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The game is over. And we are headed to overtime. On 95.7, the game. Welcome to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game after another 49ers victory. This one coming in week number 11 in Santa Clara. The 49ers knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by a final score of 27-14. to Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you as always here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. A game that uh, was a lot closer than it felt like it should have been at times, but ultimately... Uh, the Niners come out with the win by multiple scores, by 13 points in total. 27-14 to 14 was the final score. Brock Purdy was phenomenal today. We'll get into him throughout the next three hours here on 95-7 The Game. But again, it's Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. Sterling with the win. The Niners improved to 7-3. and three. They've won uh, two consecutive games after losing three in a row, uh, coming off of the bye week. Uh, they defend their home field. They win by 13 over Tampa Bay. We can get into some of the shortcomings, some of the reasons why this game was a little more nerve-wracking towards the end than we thought it might be. But ultimately, uh, job well done for the 49ers. They win by 13 points, uh, and uh, they did a lot right, specifically offensively in this game today. Talk about an overall, well, I don't want to say domination. It felt like that early where San Francisco had a massive lead. It was like 20-7 to, to seven if run away with the entire game. And the Bucks creep back in, and you're like, holy oh, but surely. Okay, what's going on? Things get real tight towards the end. San Francisco locks things down, get their seventh win of the year, knowing that the Rams and Seattle are locked in tight to a close battle right now. You have to win this game. The Lions also won. San Francisco takes care of business at home, gets a win, now has their eyes set to the toughest part of their season, toughest part of the schedule, Seattle, Philadelphia, and Seattle. And boy, does it feel good now knowing that their playoff hopes, whether it's the one seed in the entire conference or it's the number one seed in the NFC division, it is now in their hands. Their destiny relies on what they do on the gridiron. Yeah, 7-3 and three now are the 49ers. They've bounced back really well after their three-game losing streak. They won the first five games they played. They lost their next three after the bye. They've now won their next two. And something you said last week when we were reacting to an incredibly dominant win over Jacksonville was you got to come out and you got to handle business against Tampa Bay. Certainly a team that's in the hunt for a playoff spot, mostly because their division is just absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, not a not a bad team, but definitely not one of the better teams in the league. You're at home. This should be a game that you win. And the odds makers thought that way as well. The Niners were, last I checked, 13 and a half point favorites. Oh, yeah. uh, so they didn't quite cover. <laughs> they won by 13. So, so if you if you were on the Niners minus the 13 and a half, I'm sorry, but the point still stands, Sterling. The Niners in you know in their home field in front of their home fans they took care of business. You got a little hairy there towards the end. Not they got uh, <laughs> they got a turnover on downs late. They got an interception in the end zone late, and then ultimately their offense iced the game after their defense gave them the ball back. Uh, but twenty-seven to fourteen, considering where we've been in this Niners season, it's difficult to come up with things to be that upset about. At, the, at this game, the one thing to keep an eye on is Talanoa Hufunga, yeah. who suffered what looked like could be a serious knee injury in the second half. We're awaiting Kyle Shanahan's word. He's moments away from speaking with the media. I'm sure we will get you that update when we do have it. That's the one thing that, that sticks out to me that could be a major negative. 
Everything else you can live with. There were some mistakes. There were some concerns defensively, I think, in that fourth screen quarter. Screen passes. <laughs> it, there was a portion in this game where screen passes, like last week, were hurting this team, and it was like, is this a kryptonite for the San Francisco 49ers defense? They tighten things back up. Jair Brown relieves Hufunga off the injury, gets a pick, couple big tackles, and you got to say... Well, maybe there was some issues of, oh, I'm a little scared here. Oh, no, how is this game going to end? Niners' young defensive players stepping up. Ambry Thomas, Lenore, now Jair Brown, and of course the big names Bosa, Young, Warner doing their job, but young guys making plays. Even Isaiah Oliver getting a pressure on Baker Mayfield, forcing <laughs> the INT to end the game. And boy, when Isaiah Oliver's making plays, you know your defense is riding really, really high. Okay. Let's talk about the end of the game here for a little bit. Okay, so the Niners are up 27-14, to 14, which is what the final score eventually was. Um, and the 49ers, first of all, I should say it became 27-14 to 14 because after Hufango went out, yeah. Jair Brown came in the game, uh, and this was, I think, late third, early fourth. And one of the first plays with Jair Brown, the rookie third-round pick out of Penn State, safety, for the 49ers, their first pick in this most recent draft. They didn't have a first or a second round pick. Uh, and the Buccaneers targeted him first immediately. <laughs> 41 yards down the left seam. Uh, they go right at him. It sets up uh, you know, the Bucs in, in scoring territory. Ultimately, a DPI on Fred Warner moves the ball to the one-yard line. A walk-in touchdown for Rashad White. That makes it 27-14. So we have you know, the, the history of the Buccaneers already picking on Jair Brown. And then the Niners go three and out. They only take a minute and a half off the clock. The Buccaneers get the ball back in the fourth quarter with a chance to make this a one-score game, a game that the Niners felt like they should be up by 20, if not more. There was a chance to put this game away a couple of times. They couldn't quite do it. Instead, you're looking at kind of a precarious lead for the 49ers late in this game. And what do the Buccaneers do? They go down the field slowly but surely. They complete a fourth and five. Uh, they, they eventually get to a fourth and four. And this happened after... Uh, it was Tashawn Gibson dropped what could have been a, a game-ending interception, essentially. because Banging quads <laughs> with Mooney Ward. Mooney Ward came <laughs> over. He was the one defending Mike Evans, the target in the end zone on that third down. Uh, it, it falls incomplete. It would have been an interception otherwise. Mooney Ward, he got banged quads, as you mentioned, had to leave the game. So what do the 49ers turn to there? Already down a safety in Talanoa Hufunga. Now you're down your number one corner in Mooney Ward, at least momentarily. He did come back in the game the next drive, but the 49ers, they decide to bring Isaiah Oliver in at the slot, who I'm not sure played a single snap defensively I don't think so. at that point in the game. Their cornerbacks are Diamador Lenore and Ambry Thomas. <laughs> not who you want on the field. Not at all. Together. And then your safeties are Gibson, who's been solid his entire Niner career last year in this, and then your rookie Jair Brown, who just got beat down the field, leading to that touchdown the last possession on fourth and four. What do the Buccaneers do with Oliver in the slot? They target uh, the target Jair Brown against Mike Evans. Oh, yeah. Ambry Thomas is there in support. It ultimately falls incomplete. You thought maybe there could have been a DPI there on Jair Brown. They Face don't guarding, call it. Yeah. They don't call it. Uh, the Niners brought Isaiah Oliver on a nickel blitz on that play. You mentioned he got. Uh, so what you're saying is the blitz finally worked for maybe, Steve Wilkes. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> one time. Maybe the reason they called the blitz was because they uh, didn't quite believe in Isaiah Oliver's ability to stick with any receiver Wouldn't blame them if that was the case. That's a really, really long story. I took way too long getting all that up, but the point being the Niners were in a really compromised position with their defensive backfield group. Late in the game, a, a must-have it fourth and four stop. And they got it. And ultimately, as a result, they come out with a win 27-14. to So while we await what could be some bad news with Talanoa Hufanga, at least, Sterling, there was the positive of a young, inexperienced group defensively for the 49ers, specifically in the defensive secondary, stood up and made a stop when they needed to. Who knows if Evans gets gets a flag thrown there or if he catches it yeah. and turns into a touchdown. Who knows how this game might end. A big moment there for the Niners' defense uh, with some new faces in the secondary to stand up and get a stop. Well, how good have they been the past two weeks? And especially knowing that you played a pretty good offense in Jacksonville last week, held them to basically nothing, not even a single touchdown, only one field goal. In this game, a much worse offense in my opinion, but a very different offense. And it felt like those last five to six minutes, 
The Bucks were in the red zone almost the entire time. They had two drives. They stop them once, get the pick. Then I believe the Niners just kind of waste an offensive drive. They get a massive punt return, puts them right back yeah, on the 15-yard right. line, and the Niners' defense comes up big again. And you have Nick Bosa and Chase Young combining for sacks, and Drake Greenlaw just won the takeoff receiver's heads off and not looking at the ball whatsoever to secure <laughs> interceptions. But by all means, any means necessary. You heard Fred Warner talk about it a handful of times this year, but also even on the broadcast itself, you heard about the broadcaster saying that San Francisco has been waiting to find that kind of eke it out, grind it out game. They almost had it in Cleveland this year, almost had it in Minnesota, barring some picks via Purdy and some missed field goals by Jake Moody. Got their butts handed to them against the Bengals, came back against the Jaguars and just crushed them. This week may have been their grinded out, how tough are you mentally kind of game. And hmm. while this didn't feel like the win against the Cowboys or the Jaguars, whatever, it felt as if this team's mental toughness was tested. Can your defense be on the field for six minutes straight in the red zone and hold up? And, well, not to get holidays on you, but uh, have a holly jolly by golly. Did they do it, folks? They held up in the red zone what seemed like almost three, four times in the last five minutes of this game. It secured the win, now 7-3. and three. And I'll tell you, Mark, I know Philadelphia and Kansas City play on Monday and the Dolphins won today against the Raiders and whatnot. This Niners team is starting to surge at the right time. And you look at Philadelphia, Geno Smith got hurt in this game today. This Niners team might be picking up momentum right when they need it most because yeah, they have a huge stretch coming forward. The Rams right now are driving in field goal range down by two in the final three minutes of that game. So we will keep you updated on that score. As of now, it looks like the Rams certainly have the ability at least to take a late lead. We will certainly keep you updated uh, with score changes and in, in important updates from there. Uh, but about this, this, team, this game's kind of scrappy feel, it certainly felt that way on the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers, but I don't know if I can characterize this no. as the the, <laughs> the scrappy, you got to just eke it out at the end, no. get enough yards here and there. <laughs> the offense was absolutely incredible today. Brock Purdy was perfect. Really? Like, legitimately perfect. How do you spell that? Is that P-U-R-F-E-C-T? No, no, no. It might be. Because he was literally perfect. 21 for 25, 333 yards, three touchdowns, did not turn the ball over. And the four incompletions, I'd have to go back and watch the tape and, and find exactly what four those were. But by my mind, by my memory, none of them were close to being intercepted. None of them were turnover-worthy throws or decisions. He took a couple of sacks, I think three sacks in total. I can think I of one incompletion. The Kittle one early, that probably should have been a DPI on Buccaneers. Mm. That's the only one I can think of early. And the throwaway in the back of the end zone. So it's not like he's forcing the ball into mm -hmm. windows where he shouldn't. Again, he's playing perfect. I think literally he made ev every single decision <laughs> that he made today, Sterling, was the right decision. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to go back and watch it again, and I will probably tonight when I get home. But every single decision that he made, whether it was to throw it to IU, to throw it to Kittle, to throw it high and out of bounds through the back of the end zone, whether it was to tuck it and run. There was a third and two in the first half. I think it was end of the first half, Niners trying to get some points, and facing a third and two, it was a designed pass. He sees the first couple of reads, nothing there, sees an opening in front of him, takes off and runs, yeah. gets three yards when he needed just two. Slid before anyone could hit him. That was the perfect decision, and he made it in a split second. Every single decision that he made today, Sterling, was the right decision, Four incompletions, three touchdowns, did not turn the ball over. I hate this word because I think most people use it when it's not actually true. Sterling, Brock Purdy was perfect today. He was perfect. He was incredible. He was the best <laughs> player on the field, either side of the ball, all game long. And he was the reason the Steiner's offense put up 27 points. Honestly, 27 points does not do his performance justice. No, he was right. better than 27 points. It felt as if this offense could have put up 35, 34, 40. They should have put up that many points. Now, you can tell late in the game they got a little conservative. Uh, but still, like you were saying, Brock Purdy was perfect. When's the last time a San Francisco 49er quarterback has thrown a, what, 69-yard touchdown and a 76-yard touchdown in back-to-back -to -back weeks, yeah. both setting 
for the longest completion for a touchdown this year by any quarterback in football. That hasn't happened maybe, maybe since Steph Garcia, if we're lucky, when they had T.O. and Jerry Rice there. Like, Brock Purdy is doing things that the best of the best do. There's so many stats, talked about last week, that there's so many stats to put his name next to and whatever. And I got another one for you. Tell me right now. Brock Purdy is the first 49ers quarterback to throw for 300 or more yards in back-to-back home games in the same season since that Hall of Famer Steve Young in 1998. <laughs> You're just proving my point every single <laughs> week, Mark. The stats prove my point. Purdy's play proves my point. It's almost as if the point must be true. Brock Purdy is elite. And I'm not saying that because of, look how great he was today. He's been great, it feels like, outside of three games this year. And even in those games, he still had... I mean, I I know you can't just ignore the turnovers. But you you almost can. Large portions of those games where he still was playing incredible football. Yeah, and and like you said, on a team that has, again, Bosa's and Young's and Ayuk's and Debo's and Kittle's, on a defense for the Bucs that has Vita Vea, one of the best run-blocking defensive linemen in football, that has a secondary that was on a Super Bowl-winning team just three years ago... Brock Purdy was the best player on the field two weeks in a row, including this win against the Buccaneers. That hasn't happened for a Niner quarterback in a long time, but it's commonplace now with Brock Purdy. There's a handful of really, really impressive throws for the forty or for Brock Purdy in this game. Uh, there was the one that I talked about on the third and two where he converted with his legs, which is a great decision that obviously wasn't a throw. Um, but the very next play, after he converted that first down, it was first and 10, play action to Elijah Mitchell. It was the Elijah Mitchell drive, really the only one that he got in this game, kind of interestingly. Uh, and it was a, a simple Ayuk in route from the left side to the middle, perfect throw, weighted over the top of the linebacker, perfectly uh, placed to Brandon Ayuk. He gains 19 yards all the way down to the 22, and ultimately it sets up a Jake Moody field goal from 37 yards out. He, by the way, was perfect today. Two made field goals for the Niners rookie kicker, Jake Moody. All right, get his name right, though. I'm not calling him Legatron. The text line wants you to the 510. Well, Legatron made, he, was solid today. He, he made, what, a 37-yarder and like a 20-something-yarder? He doesn't – you got to make from 45-plus to be to be called Legatron, Sterling. Do you, though? Yes. That's a law. I checked. <laughs> it's a law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you cannot be called Legatron by law unless you're consistently making kicks from at least 45 yards. Well, you don't get it for a 37 year. Congrats. Good job. You did your job. Give you a golf clap. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not calling you a Legatron for that. But uh, the next drive for the 49ers as well, just before the half, Purdy facing pressure in his face. I think it was from Vita Vea, who you mentioned. Yeah. That's a big dude. One of the <laughs> biggest, if not the biggest in the entire NFL coming at him. And he, he kind of does a half dive at, at Purdy's legs. And there was kind of some contact on his front leg as he stepped in to try to make a throw down the the right sideline to Brandon Ayuk. And he steps in, contact doesn't bother him, puts a perfect ball on Ayuk again, allows Ayuk to run with the ball after the catch. They gain 37 yards all the way down to the 34. That set up another Jake Moody field goal. This one was from 28 yards out. The Niners take an even larger lead into the halftime break. That's just a couple of the throws that that I noticed from this game, yeah. Sterling, where you you leave at times almost like awestruck because he just has this innate ability to, in the face of pressure, step up, somehow avoid big hits, but not let it affect the the accuracy, the the speed, the zip on the ball, and he still puts it in perfect places. And it's one thing to complete the pass. It's another to, to put it somewhere for Ayuk, who can run after the catch yeah. and gain more yards. That's a skill, and Purdy has that as well. I, I was amazed by a, a number of his throws today. It sounds like what you're saying is that in the mouth of madness, Brock Purdy stands true, unlike Sam Neal in the John Carpenter Classic. You have <laughs> yeah. no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just, I was going <laughs> to chuckle and, and say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Brock Purdy today, almost the exact same throw as last week to George Kittle for a touchdown. Pressure building up, pocket collapsing, stands tall, stands true, steps up, flings it out there, bang, completion, touchdown. And you're like, who else is doing this? Honestly, who else is doing this? It feels like two is always out of the pocket to get him out of the pocket and avoid pressure entirely on bootlegs. 
Maybe Jared Goff, who had an awful game today and somehow won for the Lions. He's kind of Congrats, doing this Bears. stuff. Yeah, yeah, Bears. <laughs> but then you have players like Mahomes and you have the Hurtses of the world who do so many things incredibly well. But a lot of their game, this year especially, has been out of the pocket, uh, maneuvering the entire pocket to the left, to the right, on, on bootlegs. It feels like Purdy's just, stand tall, stand true, and go get me a touchdown pass. And he does it almost every single game. And in this game, where go, go into halftime, what was it, 13-7, to your defense gets a stop against the Bucks. You go, okay, like we have momentum. Let's go out there and stomp on their throats and continue to just shove them down in the ground and say, you are not going to win here at Levi Stadium against us. What does Brock Purdy do? 76-yard touchdown pass. Felt like 50 of that, 40 of that through the air. I Niner fans, <laughs> I mean, come on. You have to be so elated, excited. If we're talking early Thanksgiving celebration here, I'm Pretty thankful for Brock Purdy today because he's been so good this year. So good. Niner fans have to be thankful for Brock Purdy. He's bounced back in a huge way his last two games. That one you're just talking about, the 66-yard touchdown, or pardon me, the 76-yard touchdown to Brandon Ayuka. Uh, I got mixed up with the play early in the second half from last week. This is another thing that I like for the 49ers. It's the aggressiveness kind of picking and choosing their moments. They were aggressive through the air, at least passing the ball versus the run early in the game. It it led to their opening score, the Christian McCaffrey touchdown. They weren't necessarily taking deep shots then, but they were throwing a little bit more than normal uh, versus the run. And then uh, to come out of the second half by being aggressive and taking a shot deep down the field, I, th- I think this is making a big impact for the 49ers. Rewind to last week against Jacksonville. Second play of the second half, a deep shot, right sideline, George Kittle, perfect throw by Purdy, facing pressure, 66 yards for the house uh, to the house for a touchdown. This uh, game here today, after the 49ers get a stop, they punt it, and it goes all the way, ba- all the way out of bounds at the two-yard line. So the 49ers have to go 98 yards to get into the end zone. Purdy says... No big deal. After a short Christian McCaffrey run to give him a little bit of breathing room, he finds Kittle for 21 yards. They get out across the 20, and now suddenly you you feel like you're in a normal drive. You're not backed up against your end zone, and what do they do immediately? They take a shot deep on the left sideline to Brandon Ayuk, perfectly in stride. Ayuk beats his man by a couple of steps, and then he can saunter on into the end zone, 76 (laughs) yards out for a touchdown. The longest touchdown catch not just for Purdy in his career, longest touchdown catch in the NFL this season. (laughs) And it was a perfect, perfect throw by Brock Purdy. I don't think we can emphasize how good Brock Purdy was today. It's impossible to overemphasize it, and it's coming in really big moments. It happened early in the second half last week. It happened again early in the second half this week. And to, to pair with Purdy's ability, I also love to see the aggressiveness being matched by Kyle Shanahan in these specific moments, and it's it's working really well for the 49ers right now. Well, enough can't be said about you can have a perfect throw, perfect placement on a throw here or there. You can have one perfect play with your running back, a perfect run. Brock Purdy had a perfect outing, perfect complete day at the yard where it felt like every throw was on the money. Text line said he's dropping dimes. Yeah, you're right. He is. Like, Brock Purdy is dropping dimes and quarters, 50 cent pieces. He's out there <laughs> saying, shout out to get your birthday, go out there and party, because Brock Purdy looked phenomenal. And we're not throwing around the word perfect because it's an easy word to say. It's it's not like our, our vocab lesson isn't just, oh, it's perfect and that's it. No, no. He was perfect because he was literally perfect on the day. It felt as if... Oh, perfect passer rating, right? What, the first time since Joe Montana in 1989? Like, again, Mark, with the stats. And he had Every a, ga- he, he had a game earlier this year. Up. What, against the Cardinals, he had what, one incompletion? Yeah, he had four today. And he had a better passer rating today than he did the game when he had one incompletion. But it shows you that it's not just this dink and dunk. And people had that misconception of, oh, it's a Shanahan system, it's dink and dunk. No. This quarterback is throwing 50 yards through the air for touchdowns, hitting 76-yard touchdowns. He's having, by himself, explosive throws through the air. He's taking things to the second and third levels of defenses. He's keeping a very good Buccaneers defense honest 
through the air. Again, Antoine Winfield, you have Jamel Dean, who basically snapped his ankles on Ayuk's touchdown pass today. I hope he's all right. And you have Carlton Davis, who these are good cornerbacks in the NFL, and he's done it over and over and over again to even better ones where he's putting balls in the only place his receivers, his tight ends can make catches. When you talk about a quarterback taking an offense to the next level, Purdy has to be in that conversation. You don't have to be one or two, but he has to be in that conversation. When you play perfect over and over and over again or have great games over and over and over again, and you slice and dice through a defense in every single level, you have to put some respect on Brock Purdy's name. I'm tired of the media saying, oh, it's dink and dunk. We're trying to diminish what he's done in this offense. He has shown the past two weeks that If you think it's dink and dunk, my friend, you are so far from the truth. I want you to sit down, get your tea, and say, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. All right, we got a couple of pieces of news for you, and we got to hit a break here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. First of all, some good news for the 49ers. The Rams have taken a one-point lead over the Seahawks. The Seahawks are in possession with 42 seconds left. They're currently uh, reviewing a complete, incomplete pass near midfield. Not a huge deal. When we come back from break, we might have an update for a final score from there. But right now, the Rams do have a lead. And the other piece of news is bad news for the 49ers from Kyle Shanahan. They are expecting, they're fearing, it is a torn ACL for Talanoa Hufanga. We will get more on that on the other side. Really the only piece of bad news for the 49ers from this 27-14 win. It appears they have lost starting safety Talanoa Hufanga for the rest of the season. More on that coming up on the other side. It's Grandy and Sterling with overtime. More coming up next on 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game after another 49ers win. Final score, San Francisco 27, Tampa Bay 14. The Niners now 7-3. Tampa falls to 4-6. And And we got more good news for you, 49er fans. Now, officially, the 49ers are alone in first place in the NFC West because just moments ago, Jason Myers of the Seattle Seahawks missed what would have been a game-winning 55-yard field goal down in L.A. inside of SoFi Stadium against the Rams. The Rams beat the Seattle Seahawks' final score 17-16. to So the Niners, again, alone in first place in the NFC West. Good news there for San Francisco. They now have two games against the Seahawks in their next three weeks. The bad news is, though, as we just mentioned to you on the other side, Kyle Shanahan has said the 49ers fear safety Talanoa Hufanga has torn his ACL. He will undergo more testing tomorrow to either confirm or deny that. But as of right now, the 49ers fear, again, from Kyle Shanahan, 
that starting safety, Talanoa Hufanga, has a torn ACL. A real bummer there for San Francisco and for the young star safety, Talanoa Hufanga. Sterling, as we welcome you back to overtime on 95-7 the game. But the Niners getting a little bit of help from uh, oh, yeah. their their foes from down south, the Rams. Again, 17-16 to over Seattle. And after a hiccup for the 49ers earlier, they lose three in a row. They now are, they now are, no. uh, they now <laughs> are back uh, atop the NFC West all by themselves at 7-3. and three. Mark, say it with me. Spell it out with me. The Seahawks are F. R A U D S frauds frauds frauds. I mean, how do you lose to the Rams without Cooper Cup? They were Come without on. their starting quarterback for a bit that of that game. That doesn't matter, Mark. Your semantics, semantics. How semantics. do you lose to the Rams? The Rams stink. The, and I'll be honest here, Seahawks are a fine team. They are a a B minus C plus team in the entire NFC. Everyone's talking about oh, San Francisco loses three games. I just watched the Seahawks lose to the Rams without Cooper Cup by a field goal. What are we doing? I people are putting the Seahawks name amongst the well, the, you know, Niners lost three games in a row. Better watch out. Got two games against Seattle. If San Francisco doesn't freaking boat race the Seahawks at least once and take it to them the second time, I'll be a little disappointed. Because the Seahawks are not as good as people want to believe they are. They have trouble on the defense. Their offense is up and down. They just lost Kenneth Walker today. I'm telling you, San Francisco is surging at the right point to overtake Seattle by two, three games and put them far in the dust in the NFC West conversation. Yeah, I mean, they could put them away. They could erase all doubt about the division the next three weeks. Yeah, which means almost automatic playoffs, which should happen anyways. But the earlier you clinch... Maybe the more you can rest, or the Chiefs take care of business, the Bills do it next week against the the Eagles. We're having a whole different conversation about the number one seed in the entire NFC. Coming up here in a few days, Yeah, Thanksgiving, Niners, Seahawks in Seattle. We'll be here. We'll have the the overtime show here, as always, here with you on 95.7 The Game. Again, up in Seattle on Thursday Night Football in the special Thanksgiving edition of Thursday Night Football. We have that to look forward to. Then the Niners have kind of the mini-buy before they go to Philadelphia against the Eagles. And then they return home and take on the Seahawks again. Uh, So two weeks or three weeks from now, the 49ers have the ability uh, to, to really put a ton of distance between them and anyone else in the NFC West. That's a conversation for a different day, beginning on Thursday, of course, and we will get into it then but we do have to focus on the unfortunate oh, yeah. news of the, the potential, what seems likely, the Niners fearing an ACL tear for safety Talanoa Hufunga. We talked a little bit at the very beginning of the show. We saw early returns on Jair Brown, their rookie safety, third-round pick out of Penn State. He was forced in the a- into action. Haven't really seen him live defensive snap since the preseason. He got burned early, bounced back, had a nice interception to help seal the game, a nice pass breakup where maybe could have been called for a ticky-tack DPI, didn't get it called. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how the 49ers try to survive and and get past this injury because there's no doubt if you were to find an area where the 49ers are – in terms of depth at their weakness, might be safety. It's clearly either safety or corner. Yeah. And between the two, you, you might pick safety. So this is certainly a problem for the 49ers. Now they have a ton of talent elsewhere. They can minimize the importance of that position when you have Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave and you have Chase Young on the other side. But there's no denying this This is a major, major, major loss for the 49ers. Well, and you're also talking about someone that sets the tone, a, a tone setter on defense where you have your Warner who's going to take over the middle, but you have a thumper in Talanohu Fungo. Tungan Tiger wants to come in, wants to lay out some receivers, some running backs. Uh, how many times last year did we see him, the big force fumble against the Saints near the red zone, help San Francisco secure that win? Even this year against the Jaguars, got a pick in last week's game. He's like, what he does, well, you can point to and say he's a great tackler at times, not been great all this year, but what you're missing is a, a, a tone-setting player where now you have a third-round rookie who is going to get now, I guess, his first NFL career start and true second uh, game of action playing do, do, safety. Do we think that's going to happen? Is it just going to be Jair Brown slides in George a starting Odom? safety? I would like to think that 
what Brown did today would give him some leniency or maybe give him uh, a leg up on First Odom. First right of refusal, maybe. Exactly, but you got a whole week of practice. You're on a short week, too, so there maybe can't be too many adjustments for the defense. Who knows? Um, but when you get what seemed to be at the time a game-stealing INT, you play good enough defense against one of the best receivers in the league in Mike Evans. Uh, you got DK and you got Lockett, and, and uh, uh, you have a good receiving group in Seattle next week, and you have the Eagles in a few weeks. Losing Hufunga, well, yes, is going to hurt you on the field. Again, it's also going to hurt you in the locker room on the sideline. You have a leader at safety where you have Gibson who can certainly help Jair Brown, but when you lose a tone-setting player, it's going to impact your energy. It's going to impact your trust behind you as a cornerback or a linebacker. Uh, Jair Brown... Despite Ufunga playing only, what, three years now in the NFL, he has massive, massive shoes to fill for this defense. Yeah, all pro last year. Yeah. I mean, he was all over the place. I think off to a slower beginning to this season. First half of this year is nowhere near what he did last year. He was just incredible the first half of last season. Has not lived up to, to those really, really lofty expectations he set for himself, but clearly still a really important piece on this defense. And, and we saw it immediately Jair Brown comes in after Hufanga sustained the injury. We talked about this already, but I want to dive in a little bit more specifically. So the 49ers, they lead 27-7 to late in the third quarter. At this point, you're thinking, you get one more stop. The offense is absolutely on fire. You feel like this game is over. And what happens? The Buccaneers, they go right at the young safety Jair Brown. Again, the Niners' third-round pick out of Penn State. The Niners' first selection in this most recent draft. Remember, they did not have a first or second round pick, and they just go right at him. A simple route, go route down the seam, and the receiver runs right past Jair Brown uh, for 41 yards. And it's one thing, all right, you get beat by a quicker receiver. I know you're not particularly infatuated with Brown's speed. He's he's not the fastest safety out there. No, he's not. (laughs) He's not. Very slow. But you look at the specifics of why and how he got beat Sterling. There's a receiver sprinting a go route right at him, and he's standing there flat-footed. Yeah. He's he's not, you know, backing up. He's not getting ready to turn the hips and, and open them up and, and sprint down the field with him. He's standing there flat-footed, and the receiver just sprints right past him. I don't mean to pick on the guy because this was a really nice win for the 49ers, 27-14, their second consecutive win. They're now alone in first place in the NFC West. And he bounced back well from that point forward. Again, off of deflection, off of Dre Greenlaw's helmet, got the game-sealing interception. But that was not just a bad moment of, wow, you got beat by a better receiver. You got beat because it didn't seem like you were aware of what you were supposed to be doing in that situation. He got caught in between. Is he going deep? Is he staying in? What am I going to do? And unfortunately, as a safety, you don't have the luxury because you are the last line of defense for the defense. And again, like I was saying, Hufunga two years ago even last year to a certain degree, this the biggest weakness of this defense was balls <laughs> over the top. Has a tendency to get beat deep. And it's yeah. like, so now you have a young player who, again, is getting his feet wet in week 11 of the NFL, now what seems to be tasked with playing against a good Seattle receiving group. You got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Those are two great receivers in the NFL. Then you have Seattle again. It's not going to be an easy first test for Jair Brown in his career, but I will say this, when you can, I'm not going to say lock down, but you can hold Mike Evans, not getting a touchdown in the red zone, and not make this game a one-score game down the stretch, he did play big. You see him, the entire defense, kind of corral him, come together and pick him up, that you just caught what, at the time, we thought was the game-sealing interception, a massive play for a young player, and even then, Talk about the trust Steve Wilkes had to have in Ambry Thomas, Lenore, and even Jair Brown. Just think he, about that group that's out there on that game game on the line play. No trust. If I was Steve Wilkes, I'd be like, oh my goodness, panic. Hit the panic button, folks. I mean, you have Isaiah Oliver in there who has been benched. Yeah. Because benched. he's been bad this season. Yep. He only comes in because you have no one else to turn to, and you already have out there Ambry Thomas. Yeah who is only playing because the Niners don't like Isaiah Oliver that exactly. much. Now, Ambry had a really nice moment against Jacksonville and yeah. wasn't terrible today, wasn't He's great. By, you know, He was passable, certainly, today. You also now have, what we're talking about, the rookie Jaya Brown out there. You have pieces who 
if you were to get the honest truth out of Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes and the defensive staff, you're not really comfortable with. But they got out there and, and they got to stop when you needed it. I do wonder what happens, though, because we saw Gibson move over to strong safety and Jair yeah. Brown only took free safety snaps during training camp and practice during preseason. So I do wonder as... Is Gibson going to be the starting strong safety going forward? How does that change his role in the defense? Because Jair Brown is likely going to almost, I would assume, take a lot of Hufunga's responsibility in the box. He's a good tackler. We saw in the preseason against the Broncos, a, a, a touchdown-saving tackle against the Raiders as well in the preseason, so I'd assume he'd be the inbox safety at times. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we see Brown and Oda mix it up because both those guys have very different strengths. Both good tacklers, but uh, Odom a little faster, veteran player, been a former All-Pro uh, special teamer. Uh, he's played, what, six, seven years now. He knows what the block looks like, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they run out there next week three safeties at times because you like Brown. He has the intangibles. He can play faster than the 40-time might say, but I do think that with Brown, you can't afford to get or have a young player get beat over and over and over again, then bench him, might lose confidence. You have to have your A game going forward because it's not going to get easier for the Niners' defense. Yeah, if you're just joining us, the bad news for the 49ers after a nice win, 27-14, to the Niners fear, and this comes from Kyle Shanahan in his post-game comments to the media, they fear that safety Talanoa Hufunga has torn his ACL. We'll continue keeping you updated on that and, and any other important updates from post-game from down in Santa Clara. That is the bad news for the 49ers right now, despite the fact that they come out with a win, 27-14. to Let's focus on some of the positives from the defense, though, Sterling, because even though it did get a little a little difficult towards the end, a dicey. you only give up 14 points, yeah. um, but it easily could have been more. Of course, the Buccaneers were in fourth four-down territory at the, down the end, and they converted a couple. Uh, they did not ultimately convert the one that they needed at the end to get into the end zone. They also threw an interception in the end zone and all of that, but who was leading the way defensively for the 49ers? All-pro linebacker Fred Warner. He was all over the place again today, led the team with 12 tackles, had half of a sack, forced a fumble. Uh, that was in the first half. An incredible play where Nick Bosa is chasing Baker Mayfield, something that he Baker, loves doing. Baker. <laughs> Eventually get, grabs him by the legs. He's falling down. Fred Warner not giving up on the play, not just accepting a sack, runs it and punches the ball away at the last second. Cleveland Farrell picks it up, and the rest is history in that first half. Uh, forced fumble, had two passes defensed as well. One towards the end that took away what, what could have been a big conversion where he leapt up and, and knocked the ball away out of the right hand of the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Fred Warner was incredible, and if we're talking about how the 49ers are to make up for the loss of Talanoa Hufunga, obviously you'd like Jair Brown, George Odom, to step in and, and be that player but what the reality is, is you're probably going to be asking a little bit more from your other stars defensively. Yeah. Nick Bosa, a Javon Hargrave, a Chase Young, and Fred Warner certainly fits that description. He was incredible today. Now on the season, three interceptions and three forced fumbles. By my count, the only player in the NFL to, to have at least three of both interceptions and forced fumbles. He was incredible today. Maybe his best game of the season. Even take it further, Mooney Ward wasn't great today, but he's kind of rounding himself back into form. Dre Greenlaw was trying to punch the ball out a handful of times on the last drive. And as do his as thing. he does. He <laughs> likes to do that. Yeah, he had half a sack himself. And even Jair Brown, again, had three pass deflections, the most on the entire team today. Like when this team. <laughs> In needed, what, like 10 snaps? <laughs> exactly. When this team needed this defense the most. They came through. When the special teams failed and the offense couldn't get a drive going to ice the game out, the defense, for the second week in a row, played complimentary football and really picked this offense up and the team up when it needed it most. And you ask yourself, how many times have we seen this the past handful of years in San Francisco? The offense has a great game. It gets tight late. The defense has to make a stop. It felt like they made three stops in a row. Stop. They which seemed like marching Baker Mayfield-led offense in Tampa Bay, who was just kind of cutting on the ins and the outs of the defense, and you're saying, okay, like, what's going on here? Defense tightens itself up, and I can argue, does a better, 
Buccaneer red zone defense impression in the Bucks did today, the NFL's leading red zone defense in Tampa Bay. San Francisco was great in the red zone, only holding the Bucks to 14 points. And again, young defensive players making play after play. I didn't notice that. Jair Brown, three passes defense, <laughs> leading the team. I mean, what, 10, 15 snaps max? Felt like he was targeted four times. Was, what, what does that mean? When he was on the field, it wasn't very often the Buccaneers were going at him. Which, and, I mean, and he held up. Yeah, I mean, except for that first one. And, but you're right, beyond that, he, I mean... And we're holding him to an unfair standard. I mean, he's filling in for an all-pro, and it's his first real important run in a regular season game in the NFL. So there are going to be growing pains. This isn't a a bash Jair Brown day. That's not what we're doing at all. Um, But there's no hiding the fact that the 49ers defense is now facing a challenge that they haven't faced before. I mean, this era of Niner football... Uh, the last couple of years, obviously. I mean, Dono Hufunga has been a steadying force at the back of the defense. Yeah. And now they're going to be playing without him. I, I for one, am, am interested to see how it works. And I think this is where we learn a little bit more about Steve Wilkes and his ability to hmm. adjust and adapt and figure out creative solutions to these sorts of problems. We can talk about, oh, him moving to the sidelines. Such a great decision. It's having the biggest impact in the world. Nobody cared today. <laughs> It wasn't even a story. It, it, it probably has had a little bit of an impact. Probably. But a little bit, yes. It's it's more so just about the stars playing like stars and Steve Wilkes maybe making smarter play calls here and there and not calling zero blitzes when you know the offense is throwing the ball deep down the field. Like, I, But nickel blitzes when they matter, Mark. Yeah, Isaiah Oliver. <laughs> we don't trust him in coverage. That's what that tells me. But I, when you are asking a defensive coordinator and a, and a veteran one like Steve Wilkes to try to – overcome this kind of loss. I think that's where these sorts of of guys, defensive coordinators, make their money. And I'll be very curious to see how Steve Wilkes tries to scheme up a solution to this because there's no hiding. This is a problem. Yeah. And we'll see how they do, again, adapt to this. Um, But but I think short week against the Seattle Seahawks, who have a, a really impressive trio of receivers, and who make a lot of their money, Tyler Lockett out of the slot. I, I am interested to see how the That's Niners scheme this up defensively. Uh, so maybe this game wasn't much of a Steve Wilkes game, but I think moving forward, uh, I have my eye on Steve Wilkes specifically, just how they try to scheme around not having Hufanga anymore. It's almost as if Steve Wilkes had no tests the first five weeks, and the last, I don't know, six have just been test after test after test, and the past two come out looking pretty clean, right? I would say A-plus against the Jaguars, probably an A-minus today for the defense. A handful of sacks again, a couple takeaways, did their job when it mattered most. But again, you got Seattle, you losing one of your biggest playmaking safeties. Hufunga was making plays his rookie year on special teams. Green Bay in the snow. Had the touchdown. Picks up the oh, the, 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 the block punt. <laughs> Picks up the... The block punt scores the touchdown, gets literally secures the win for this team in the playoffs. Last year, a handful of big takeaways, one against Stafford on Monday Night Football, a big pick six to get that win for San Francisco. And now you're sitting back saying, okay, we don't have a star playmaker on the backside anymore. You now have Mooney Ward, who hasn't been himself the entire year, and although he's played better recently, just hasn't been his near all-pro self. You have two rather unproven cornerbacks next to him. You have a veteran safety in Deshaun Gibson who can do so much, but he's also an older player, not going to be as fast, but his intellect is there. It's now Steve Wilkes' job to almost fill the role of Hufunga himself, putting players in positions to succeed, whether it's Shia Brown, whether it's the Warner or Odom, whoever it might be, Isaiah Oliver, whoever it is. This is might be Steve Wilkes' biggest task of the year, when it just comes to replacing your best safety in all pro-level safety and one of your biggest defensive playmakers. Yeah, and your other stars, they showed out today. I already mentioned Fred Warner. Uh, Dre Greenlaw was flying all over the place as well. He had half of a sack. Armstead, Bosa, Chase Young all had a sack as well. They got uh, to Baker Mayfield four times today after they had five sacks last week against Trevor Lawrence. Uh, The defense, uh, again, the interception by Jair Brown. As well, they had the forced fumble, so they forced a couple of turnovers after they forced four last week, four more sacks today, five sacks last week. They are flying around, and they are making big plays, but now 
comes a big test when you're going up against three really good offense consecutively, Seattle, Philadelphia, and Seattle, and now you're down your all-pro safety in Talanoa Hufanga. Again, if you're just joining us, the 49ers did beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today 27-14, to but they lose Talanoa Hufanga to what Kyle Shanahan says they fear is a torn ACL. More testing tomorrow. If the testing tomorrow does confirm a torn ACL, it'll be season-ending for Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, certainly bad, no- bad news there, and we're thinking about him uh, at this moment. We do have some sound from Kyle Shanahan rolling in. We'll get to that on the other side, but certainly plenty to be happy and excited about if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, and we'll get to that on the other side. Brock Purdy was incredible today. We've already called him perfect. That's not an exaggeration. He was incredible. Brandon Ayuk was over 150 yards. He got into the end zone, and Christian McCaffrey started a whole new touchdown streak today. He got (laughs) into the end zone to open up the scoring in this game in the first quarter. So despite the injury to Hufanga, which again, the Niners fear is a season-ending ACL tear, plenty to be happy about. We'll hear from Kyle Shanahan. We'll get Brock Purdy and I'm sure Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, all those guys talking momentarily. We got sound from the locker room coming up on overtime. One hour down, two to go. It's Grandy and Sterling after another Niners win, 27-14 to over Tampa Bay. Give us a call in overtime, 888-957-9570. Your call is also on the other side as overtime continues on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.